I am here to update you on the upcoming releases from Persistent Vision Records. You can pre-order the incredible split between Massanera and Quiet Fear. It's a collaborative split. Both of these bands are great. If you're a fan of Screamo, sign right up. You can pre-order these through Persistent Vision and through Deathwish Inc. Also available is a self-titled 12-inch from the band Goisha, who are a new DC band featuring members of Genocide Pact and Brain Tourniquet. They're playing death metal with elements of grind, black metal, and punk. And lastly, a record from the band Wreath. The album is called The Land Is Not An Idle God. They are a dark, melodic crust band out of London, featuring members of the iconic bands Fall of Afrafa and Morrow. Hit up Persistent Vision or Deathwish Inc. to order now. Welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. This is episode 174. And my guest this week is artist and illustrator Caroline Harrison. Her work has been used by a number of artists across the heavy and underground music scenes, including Sun, Death Clock, Pig Destroyer, Cool Keith, Chat Pile, Ken Mode, uh, what else we got? Betrayal of Guilt, Pile. Her work is amazing, and so is this conversation. If you're an artist, this will be very inspiring to you. And if you're not an artist, I don't know, maybe you'll pick up a pen. What, what can I say? Who knows? Um, I want to let you know that there's a bonus episode available right now where Caroline answered questions that were submitted by subscribers you can access that by going over to patreon.com slash the first ever patreon subscribe for as little as three dollars a month and you can get access to that plus all of the other bonus content subscribe for a little more and you yourself can submit questions to upcoming guests um next week we're going to be doing a mailbag episode so if you want to submit a last minute question uh you can hit me over at the first ever mailbag at gmail.com and uh, we can get your question in there, possibly. I think we're going to record that by the end of the week. So your question might end up in the episode. What else is going on? Hey, I just want to give a big thank you to everybody who came out to the Touche Def Heaven tour, which just wrapped up last week. Um, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm still recovering. I caught a little cold. You might be able to tell from my more raspy than usual voice that's happening right now. But, you know, I got to I got to get through it. What can I say? Um, I hope you had a nice holiday season. I hope you're doing all right. And uh, I hope you have a safe New Year's. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with the brilliant, the wonderfully talented, the charming. It is Caroline Harrison. What's up, Caroline? It's nice to, uh, to I guess, meet you in this capacity. It's uh, How are you today? Likewise. Um, I'm good. I, you know, it's one of the first cold days here, which is really nice, so... Yeah, yeah, talk. To, I mean, I, I, I'm a I'm a fan for for talking weather, especially as this thing starts to happen yeah. as uh, as things start to change. Talk, so you're in New York, right? You're like yes. New York City. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm New York City proper. I live in Queens. I've been in the city for 13 years at this point. Okay, so uh, for LA specifically, I feel like we don't actually feel any sort of like potential fall or winter until like sadly like december which is so <laughs> frustrating but i know but i but with all my friends that live in the city too in new york like i feel like that's changing a lot now as well like yeah. it seems to like be getting pushed back and further pushed back it's so mild okay. it was so fucking talking, 80 degrees this week yeah seriously same it's literally 82 here right now yeah. which i'm frustrated by it was, um, it was awful <laughs> yeah so so now nowadays with new york what we're talking like is it is it around this time where you're starting to f actually feel the shift? Um, it depends. We got like some nice, nice fall weather for a little bit. And then like Halloween itself, like the day before Halloween was or the weekend before Halloween was like 80 degrees and I was not having it. But 
I also I was just in LA for a wedding at the beginning of the month and it was like during a one of your heat waves. So it was like 95 degrees. And I heard some dude being like, oh, I can't wait for the fall weather. And like me, like I'm from Boston (laughs) and I'm like, you don't have that season. Don't lie to yourself. 1000 percent. Yeah, it's a it's a hoax. It's absolutely a hoax. Where in uh, if you don't mind me asking, where in L.A. were you? Um, I was in like Glendale and Pasadena. A friend of mine from high school got married, so took the opportunity to donk around for a couple of days in LA. Nice. I am in LA myself. I mean, sorry, not yeah, LA. Yeah, yeah. I'm in I am in Glendale, actually. Oh no uh, shit. Okay. Yeah, that's my that's my stomping ground. This is gonna uh, be like a weird thing, but uh in like 2019, I was in LA and I went to a coffee shop. And I was wearing a T-shirt that I had done because that's one of the perks of getting to. And I think, I don't know if it was your girlfriend, but somebody who was a barista at a coffee shop in Melrose was like, I like your T-shirt. Uh, did you like, I'm going to tell my boyfriend about it. He's in this band, Touche Amore. Who would that have? I mean, that that's not, that wouldn't have been my girlfriend. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, yeah. Who, who Somebody's, was somebody barista, maybe. Yeah, she was a barista in Melrose. Oh, that would have been that would have been uh our our bass player uh Tyler's girlfriend. Cause, yeah, okay, yeah, a, nice. Yeah. How it was the weirdest. I was like, oh, I know that band. <laughs> like Yeah. Oh, how funny. Sweet. Well, uh, did you enjoy your time in LA? Yeah, Aside yeah, it was nice. Weather? I hadn't well, I hadn't been since uh February of twenty twenty. So, you know, kinda had gotten that one in under the wire and yeah. And not to jump ahead too much, but I've seen, I saw like on your list of all your exhibitions, like you've been out yeah. here a good number of times. It seems like Long Beach is also, is a place that you ended up coming out and doing a lot of your shows at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's this gallery out there called the Dark Art Emporium um, that has been sort of like a fun little weird home for, you know, the strangers and misfits. I don't know. The, the LA art scene, I still haven't fully grasped because it's all so far flung. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Could could so, you explain what you mean by that? Because I'm actually, you know, like I oh, yeah, I yeah. live on the periphery. So, so um, I mean, like, okay, I I live in New York, so I'm fully fully spoiled, and like, you know, I've lived near Boston. I lived in Philadelphia for school, and like, all of those places have sort of like a little gallery scene where you can actually kind of like walk from thing to thing. Um. Every time I go to LA and try to like check out gallery shows, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be driving for like 15 minutes between things. I have totally. to like map out a route. I have to find parking. Like, and yes. I end up just giving up partway through the day. No, that, I mean, and that makes total sense too. And yeah, there's not like, like downtown LA right now, it seems like there are more spaces just from when I go to a show down there and I'm walking around. I'm like, oh, there seems to be a new spot here. But I know what you're saying. I mean, the city's biggest issue is how sprawling it is and how you need to have a car for everything. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense as well. Wonderful place to visit. I love walking places, though. Uh, yeah, it's the one it's it's the, well, there's a few things we don't have, but that is one thing that we do not have. It's not a walkable city. Whenever I have a friend who's like moving here from from especially the East Coast and they're like, well, I'm, I won't have a car for a few months. I'm just like, you don't like, know no. what you're doing to yourself. <laughs> like, Dude, you that's you. Yeah, I have a friend who's an actress who ends up out there a lot and has sort of like memified the fact that she's one of five people who reliably uses the L.A. Metro. <laughs> uh yeah uh bless that person's soul um so you just mentioned you're from boston originally yeah yeah yeah. i grew up uh right outside of boston so okay so something i thought uh would be kind of fun since a lot of the work that you're you know known for is a lot of like album covers and merch and and things like that uh to ask you a lot of questions that i actually also ask musicians so um what I want to ask first was when you were growing up, what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being played in the house by like parents or something, but something that you discovered to give you a sense of identity. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of of the age where like I was downloading stuff like on LimeWire or my friends were like, we were burning each other mixed CDs and stuff like that. Um, I used to actually, I didn't have a computer and like the family computer was old enough that I couldn't really download stuff very well. Oh, sure. Um, so I would sneak into my brother's room before he was home from school, use LimeWire to download stuff, burn it onto a CD and then like delete the evidence. 
um and hope that it didn't like bring some insane virus yeah exactly and i think at that point too like we all had uh limewire was like the mac version and like theoretically at that point macs were like considered to be like impervious to viruses or whatever which like obviously wasn't true but like i was 14 so yeah um but yeah i mean it was definitely you know there was the stuff that i could find because my friends um shared it there was like the stuff that i heard on the radio um so it was a mix of like the local alternative stations or um you know i i was able to watch like fuse tv because we'd just gotten cable i think at that point it was much music mm, right it, like, made the shift but it was like right. you know a lot of the sort of like pop punk emo alternative i was listening to like a lot of classic rock too so okay it was like a, a kind of like a big mishmash. So probably things like, um, you know, like Weezer's Blue Album or like uh, f- huge Radiohead fan. Um, okay. You know, a lot of like the indie blog stuff. So like I, I listened to the episode with um, you guys talk or you and Dylan from Full of Hell. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Like the Saddle Creek stuff was my. I see you're you're wearing a Camera Obscura shirt, too. And yeah. I was like, OK. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my like, God. All of yeah. that kind of stuff. Totally, yeah. totally. Like the like the uh, the Scottish indie pop plus also all the Saddle Creek stuff. That is oh yeah, exactly. Bread and butter. Yeah, Connor Oberst was like the background on my computer when I was sixteen. Like where it's it's it was very cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, that was one of my favorite things about talking to Dylan because in the past, obviously before the show and all that like i knew like we had bonded over because i think he had made because you know he does like runs of bootleg shirts and stuff yeah yeah, um i think he had made a bright eye shirt and i was and i bought it off of him i was like i love that you made this Um, yeah it's also great because i mean i think like you know in the age of bootleg shirts that we are in right now more often than not bootleg shirts are better than the band's actual official merch because it's done with a creative eye you know yeah if it's like a purposeful bootleg that someone's making like for their own purposes, it's frequently just also really funny. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. And so, yeah, it's like having Dylan make this sort of like, oh, through the eye of a kid who likes black metal bright eye shirt is pretty awesome. Yeah, totally. I can like I can picture that. But yeah, I don't know. We were just like my friends and I were just passing stuff around. So, um, you know, what I could find and I ended up like checking out a lot of like mp3 blog kind of stuff too at the time so i had like a bookmarked set of mp3 blogs i would go to and then like when google reader started being a thing i would use google reader to like check all of my mp3 blogs at once nice um yeah um so i mean you're talking about in the you know obviously downloading and burning and things like that like when you were i guess maybe younger than that do you remember the first uh album that maybe you bought with your own money or shoplifted something like that so i i was the goodiest of goody two shoes so it wouldn't have been shoplifting because yeah (laughs) but i so there's like two answers to this because there's like i would get gift certificates um and at this point it was um there was like a northeast chain it was originally coconuts and then it became strawberries and I don't know why I can't find pictures of this online, but they you could buy gift coins instead oh, of weird. gift certificates. And they were literally like a, a coin made out of metal that had like a like a denomination on it. Huh. Um, and so the first thing that I ever bought on my own, I had a gift coin that covered the cost of both uh, Britney Spears's baby one more time and the miseducation of Lauren Hill, which is sort of a, a, a one two punch. Yeah, bangers. Um, I thought was did they call them like coconut coins or something like what what they were gift coins yeah I think they were coconut coins I think they became strawberries coins um that doesn't and then I ended up yeah well I ended up spending a lot of time at like the Newbury comics because that was another like I I loved that a lot of my babysitting money went to Newbury comics so. I feel like I missed the best era of that store because I've had, you know, like through all the friends in Boston through Death Wish and all that sort of stuff. Like they'd always tell me, regale me with the stories of like how insane their, you know, like record selection and all that stuff used to be. And like the the amount of like cool secondhand stuff. I feel like by the time I started going to like we started touring and stuff and my experience with Newberry was like 
there's like less music and it feels more like a Spencer's more gifts like now gifts, or yeah. you know it's like a lot of like South Park plushies and things like that I'm like what happened that was, that was definitely starting to happen um like sort of the end of when I was high in high school and then the beginning of college um but they also like they would always have like a weird import section they mm. had vinyl they did actually have comic books so right. like I I bought a live DJ Shadow album on vinyl with my babysitting money. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know. Uh, I probably like the first album that I bought with babysitting. I, I couldn't actually tell you. It was probably going to be something like Weezer's Blue Album or something like that. I don't know. Sure. Sure. What about uh, what about what was your first concert? Um. The one, like the first concert that I went to of my own volition, because my parents were like real big into music. So I would, I would have gone to like a lot of like folk stuff. Oh, cool. Like, well, tell me about that. Stuff. Yeah. What kind of stuff were they into? Um, They were into kind of a lot of stuff. Like I, I know that I went to see like Bill Staines at one point, um, who was this like super folky guy. I might've seen Leo Kotke at some point, but I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I remember like a sort of finger picking kind of. Yeah. Like guitar shreddy guy. Um, they definitely I I got dragged to some like bluegrass festival because I I want to say like the Rankin family was playing or something like that. Were um, they musicians at all? Your your folks? Were they into did they play anything like this? Um, my dad played guitar, um, just like sort of for fun. Um, played an acoustic. Um, my mom could sing, she just like didn't really do it much. Um, but I grew up like singing a lot. So um, I kind of came at music from that way as well. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, yeah. What was the first? So what was the first show so that the you first went concert, to? Like yeah. On your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on your own, maybe then. Like where you, uh, you, you were like, I want to see this. I convinced my mother somehow to let me and my friend go to the WBCN River Rave, which WBCN was like the local alternative station. And it was their like... Big gigantic show. thing yeah i think it was at like the tweeter it was like the tweeter center at the time um in mansfield um my mom was like very paranoid that i was going to get snatched like uh -oh. and kidnapped yeah. at like any given time so there weren't a lot of concerts for me in high school but um my friend's mom promised to go with us made us like check in a bunch i like borrowed my friend's like giant parachute pants to wear <laughs> um very cool uh, but yeah, it was headlined by the Dropkick Murphys and then Good Charlotte, but also Beck played, uh, okay. Jack Johnson played, Saliva played, uh, Evanescence played, uh, Jane's Addiction played, but at like two in the afternoon and I had no idea who they were, so I didn't see them. Uh, um, AFI, The Used, The Ataris, uh, it's like all over the place. It was the year that the Dresden Dolls had won their Battle of the Bands. So okay. they like played in the afternoon. It was just this like crazy weird like mishmash wow. of things. I like Jack Johnson and Evanescence. Just, yeah, and just saliva. Together. And saliva. Just yeah. gigging together. <laughs> yeah. And Beck. Fucking Beck. Like Yeah. Oh, that's so strange. Yeah. Uh, we left we left partway through the Dropkick Murphys because I think we were it's, like, we get the point. It's, it's not very Boston of you, I got to say. Eh, it's fine. I have enough enough other like terrible Boston qualities. I think I'll be forgiven <laughs> for. Oh, that's awesome. Um, wow. Yeah, that is a very, very eclectic festival. Uh, who were you? Who do you think you remember you were most excited to see? Oh, um, realistically, it was Evanescence, which is like. Fuck you yeah. Know, a thing. <laughs> that sure happened yeah well, so because I was like really like singing was like one of my things in high school okay. and so the fact that like Amy Lee was like singing and she was yeah. singing in registers that like I could also sing in I was like so stoked because like nobody sings in like the same weird voice part that I have in like pop mm -hmm. music and so it was like a big exciting deal for me on some level um so i mean we're gonna get to the art in a second but i'm actually curious about this side of it so like were you um did you do like vocal training were you in choir in school like what 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 aspects of your life were determined by your singing 
Oh, literally. So I was like every, every extracurricular I could get my hands on that had to do with singing. I was in the regular choir. I was in chamber choir. I would do chamber music occasionally. Um, I was in the acapella group. Um, like a lot of, I don't know. I, I made it. it. Yeah. I made it to like district and, uh, district choir a few times, state choir once, like that kind of stuff. Um, I really loved singing classical music. Um, yeah, I don't know. I actually volunteer. I voluntarily joined the church choir my senior year of high school because they sang really difficult sacred music. Um, oh. And so I was like, you know, sight reading like Thomas Tallis and stuff. Yeah, but, sure. Yeah, I, I totally fell off of it. But like I was, you know, doing a lot of that and then got a couple of vocal injuries and just like never figured out how to get back to it. I'm sorry to hear that. Was it just eh. from like straining yourself or something or? Um, I got like acid reflux that like fucked with my vocal cords and then that can lead you to have like a lot of weird tension. I just had like some weird undiagnosed food allergies that can mm. like cause, I don't know. It was, you know. Sure. Yeah. Just, just but, life things that get in the way and then yeah, exactly. yeah, dictate the future, sadly. Uh, yeah. And then you... when you can't do something that like used to be really, really easy, it's like kind of shitty. So, yeah. you know, but did it's you, fine. So with you being a fan of Evanescence, did you try to start a band or did you ever join a band? Um, I like had one or two like aborted starts, but like most of the dudes doing bands in my high school were like, I don't know, it's more like rock band stuff. I did like the blues band um, at my school as like one of my extracurriculars, but no one was really like competent enough to like start a band and the school that I went to is actually a, a private school. My parents are both private school teachers. So I like literally grew up where I went to high school. Oh, wow, um, yeah. And so I think for a lot of kids, there was like not as much a focus on starting a band and instead more like getting into a good school and becoming a doctor. Sure. Fair, fair. Um, so then what about when it comes to art? What was the first thing that you remember connecting with when it comes to art? So I, that one's actually kind of weird and hard because it's like, uh, I, I've kind of always, if that makes sense. And like the schools that I, my parents taught at both had really nice art programs where like the, the teachers were really encouraging and like, I don't know, I like still talk to my painting teacher from high school. Um, but I, you know, people would take me to museums and, um, you know, I don't know, somebody gave me this like book when I was a little kid about Monet um, and people would, you know, but um, I, I don't know. I loved illustrations and children's books. And then like when I started getting into comics, a lot of like the comic book artists. So like um, I remember uh, the Dave McKean Arkham Asylum illustrations like totally blew my mind. Mm. Um, it was a, a, I think it was a Grant Morrison run. Yeah, I think it's Grant Morrison did Arkham Asylum. It's like a self-contained graphic novel. But Dave McKean did all of these like wild, brushy, crazy. Yeah, it looks incredible. Um, but I know like that one definitely changed some stuff for me. Looking for an extraordinary coffee? Look no further than Heartwork Coffee. With eight years of excellence and proudly roasting in the vibrant city of San Diego, California, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to explore a wide range of single origin and blended coffees to suit your taste preference. On a personal note, co-founder Rob Moran has played in so many bands that have inspired me personally, like Unbroken and Some Girls, for example, and it's been amazing watching Heartwork thrive all these years. The coffee is amazing, and I'm thrilled to support this company. Once again, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to place an order. That is H-E-A-R-T work coffeebar.com. Do you remember the first time where you created something where it like kind of hit you like, wow, I can actually do this? Like where maybe other people recognized as well, like, wow, you have talent here. Um, maybe I, I remember just like liking to reproduce stuff that was in front of me. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I remember going to like a summer camp that was like a 
classic like sleepaway camp. And it was one that my, like my dad had worked at, at some point. And, um, you know, it was like two weeks in a cabin in the woods and I was not good at making friends. And all of these girls had like their own friends. Um, and I just remember like, you know, doing the arts and crafts stuff there. And like, I drew a tree, I think at one point I was like eight and like, I, I don't know. They, I think the camp like framed it and hung it up somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's nice recognition, obviously. Yeah. Well, it's funny, actually. My my mom, I think, still has this thing that I did in, I want to say it was like fourth grade, like framed and hung <laughs> in her house. Um, our, our art teacher had us do a copy of Van Gogh's Room at Arles, but mm. like using like crepa oil pastels. <laughs> So, but my, my version of that, I think is still somewhere in my mom's house. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, yeah, I guess that kind of leads me to this question, which was, do you remember the first like medium that you gravitated to? Like, were you drawing with like pencils and pens a lot or what, did you get into painting first or what was the first thing that kind of excited you? Oh, it's definitely always been drawing. Um, I think like I started definitely with like pencils and, you know, stuff like that, but um. I don't know. I, I kind of always come back to drawing. I've tried painting because just that's they, you do try painting. Mm-hmm. Um, people kind of, I think, tend to look down on drawing as like a step to a painting. <laughs> um, but I always just kind of really liked sticking with the drawing. Um, and were you, was it you sort of like doing more comic booky stuff, like for your own enjoyment? You know, oh, obviously yeah. you're taking classes and things like that. But so you were doing more like kind of were you creating your own comic books? No, I I don't have like the level of um I guess stick to itiveness. <laughs> like com- <laughs> comic book artists are like a very special kind of like masochist. Um <laughs> but it also requires a lot of organization. Um mm. and I I just didn't have like the follow through to like stick with something for that long. Um so, you know, I I loved comics, but like you know, on some level there were like, you have to be able to draw a lot of stuff that's sort of coming out of your head. And I was always a lot more observational. Um, so it, it was always a bit of a challenge in that respect. Cause if I wanted to do a comic, I'd be like, okay, but like, I don't know how to draw a person standing like this. And I don't know. And like getting oh, frustrated with that side of it would be like sort of a deterrent. So I would like, instead of like actually working at it, I would like just do the stuff that I was good at. <laughs> The part for comics that have that always kind of like gets me stressed out when it comes to imagining the creative process is like trying to edit down the story enough to where you can get as much as you can story wise out of one image. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like if you have all of yeah. this that you want to convey in this book, but it's like it makes you almost feel like you need to have so many different images of the same thing just happening in one conversation or like you know but you want to make it entertaining that's the part that like seems so hard to sort of figure out and dictate when it comes to creating a page well and I think the people who are really like the best at creating comics are the people who are able to actually condense down like a lot into a single panel um like you don't need to have like every stage of things but having specific views of stuff or having like um you know different things show up in a panel that like add to the overall narrative and help build the story is like, man, that is, I don't know how people do it, but like, it's, it's stunning stuff when it really works. Totally. Yeah. That's, it's hard for me to even imagine trying to, cause I, you know, like I, if I was to relate to anything, if it's why I can't write, lyrics to a song before the song's music is done because i don't want to have to if there's lines i like i don't want to have to throw out lines because there's just no room for them it's like that's the closest i guess i can sort of correlate to this situation where it's like i I would want to use everything you know well yeah but i mean i i think you also like there's a relationship between whoever's writing the comic and whoever's drawing the comic as well Mm -hmm. where like whoever's writing the comic has to sort of create like the overall architecture and outline for the story. And then the person who's drawing it will take that and then kind of go with it. And maybe I, I don't know how everybody works with comics. So um, right. 
I'm sure there, there are various people who do this in a bunch of different ways, but um, yeah, there's like just a whole planning and mapping and um, you know, you, you gotta know like how to respond to things, I guess. Totally. Yeah. 1000%. Um, what about uh, album art? Do you remember the first like album cover that you saw that kind of like caught your eye and was like, oh, wow, like this is like a whole other art form. So it's really funny because like I, I, I never have a good answer for this one oh, okay. um, because I, I don't know. I like I, I've, I, it's weird because I literally found at one point while I was helping my mom clean out her house, a notebook of mine from high school that had like a bunch of top five lists in it because we just watched High Fidelity and we all thought we were very cool <laughs> and we were trying not to like study for physics um, tests. And so like one friend of mine and I would just like kind of go back and forth, but I found this top five list that was like things I want to do when I grow up. And one of them was like do album art, but I can't for the life of me think of an album art, like a a piece of album art from like prior to like college where I actually Uh like noticed and was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, I think probably like the first time I started like sitting up and taking notice of album art was like, Um, when I'd started dating my partner, he was like really into, I mean, still is obviously, but like, he was really into like a lot of like heavier music, metal, like grindcore stuff like that. And like, I, that subgenre was something that I'd never really set of subgenres stuff that never really been exposed to. And so I was starting to see that like all of these different pieces of album art were just like much more like loved, I guess. Mm, Um, he had the uh oh shit i'm blanking but it's a chris taylor cover for a pig destroyer record i think it's painter of dead girls oh yeah or something like He'll, that or there's terrifier too but yeah well so there's um, terrifier but painter of dead girls i think that's the name of it it's like an ep um and we actually still have the, like a an empty record sleeve of it up, up on our wall and like i remember seeing that and being like oh okay like this is this is fucking cool like yeah um but yeah I don't know like I it's it's fucked up to say because like I've known that I wanted to like do this in some capacity since I was a teenager but I never have a good answer for it until like after I knew that I was interested in doing this I mean I don't think that's totally strange or anything though because you probably just kept those worlds so separate to yourself you know it's like you liked music but you also liked comics you liked it and all these other things so like maybe it wasn't until you you know like well, got older and and uh and realized the two can meet well also on some level like so much of album art is really more of like a graphic art and graphic design kind of world mm-hmm. um and that's not like i respect that world it's not a my brain doesn't work like that i tried i wasn't <laughs> super good at it didn't super love it yeah. um but that's where like i don't know like i loved like dark side of the moon by pink floyd and like totally had a bad t-shirt of that that i bought on sale at a macy's like (laughs) but you know that is like a graphic art piece yeah it's a very memorable very stunning very simple cover that sticks with you like everybody knows that cover you know yeah um how much of your work today do you implement your computer though i'm just curious oh it's all fucking manual um yeah every well with the exception of like if i'm doing a t-shirt that has color on it i kind of have to do that digitally um in order for it to like really work for like printing um because like i because i did some design stuff in college like i know enough to know how to set up files so that i'm not being a huge pain in the ass more well okay the (laughs) i'm gonna modify that a little bit because the line work that i tend to um gravitate towards is a huge pain in the ass print but i'm like all right i already know that i'm making this really fucking annoying for you let me make this marginally less annoying by setting up my files correctly (laughs) so right 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 um That actually kind of leads me to the next question, which was, uh, who was the first person that you got commissioned by to make something for them? Oh, it was definitely my partner's band. Well, yeah, definitely my partner's band. Um, 
because like we started dating we've been together for like 15 years and we started dating right before his band Puron um start like formed so um I did their logo uh in like 2009 I want to say yeah was that um, a stressful yeah. challenge because you're like well I want to make this good but I you know yes. like yeah t- talk to me about that process um, I looked at like a lot of different metal logos and was like, I don't like these. Mm. Um, I'd seen some metal logos actually where I was like, actually, these are kind of cool. Um, uh, Carlin Holland had done a couple of metal logos for like Kralis and Dysrhythmia and stuff like that, where I was like, okay, like these are legible, but also like they're beautiful. Um, Christoph Spätzl, I, I don't know if that's how his name is pronounced has done like a shitload of album or of logos. And so I was like looking at the way that he kind of approached the problem. But I also like had taken enough design classes where I was like, you guys need something that doesn't look like what everyone else has. Cause like, what's the point? Everyone else has other stuff. Yeah. The, the um, logo that looks like it was thrown against the wall. Exactly. And like, yeah. you know, I don't think that the logo really necessarily fits their sound now, but like I have a soft spot for it because it's like such a strange one. Mm. Um, but I will say like, as far as that process went, I definitely, I think at one point, um, the guitarist Dylan and I like, it's been 14 or thir- 14 years and I'm still not letting him live this down. He was like, yeah, I don't know. I just think it needs like more flair. It's like, that's not the fuck does that mean Dylan? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, that's awesome. Uh, so was that also the first, uh, artist whose album you designed like album cover you designed? Yeah, I did an album cover for them. That was an EP and like much to my shame, the album art does exist on metal archives because it's terrible. (laughs) Um, it was like a, you know, it was a, I, I was deciding that I was going to do, um, you know, a digital painting and I was going to learn how to digitally paint and I had no business digitally painting. I didn't like it. I wasn't good at it. <laughs> um, so yeah, but like, as far as like a first full length, I did their, their debut full length, which was called, uh, the, an excellent servant, but a terrible master. Um, and like that one, I was like, okay, this is actually like, I, I can kind of, I can kind of feel my way through this. This feels okay. Are there things that uh, you've learned along the way when it comes to like laying or like, you know, working on a a band's art and and all that sort of stuff that like you wish you could tell yourself then? And I'd be curious what any of those lessons kind of are. (laughs) I mean, I think one of the, like one of the things also that has been, um, interesting to watch is that I've just gotten better at drawing. I wasn't like as confident or like able to make as many like deliberate choices. I don't know. Like the more you do something, the more comfortable you get and the more competent you get. Um, And like, you know, there's a lot of very clumsy shit in some of the earlier stuff that I've done. But, um, you know, I think broadly for me, like planning is a thing that I'm not great at. Um, so sometimes I will like, not literally, but figuratively like paint myself into a corner because I've been like, I have like a vague idea of what this is supposed to look like. And then I'll have this like vague set of like ideas in my head where it sort of feels like, you know, when you're like in a dream and you kind of can't see something that's right in front of you, but like you can kind of get a general sense of what it is. Um, it's it kind of feels like that in a way where you're like I know what's in front of me I just can't see what's in front of me even though like I know what should be there um which is like it's very it's very like vibes based which doesn't always lead to um efficient choices um but I don't know some of some of the the stuff that I like the most that I've worked on has been kind of weird happy accident stuff where I give myself a little thing to, where it's like, all right, just like screw this up in a spot, give it some mm. texture, like give it some depth and you can then kind of respond to that. When it comes to working with an artist that maybe you don't know personally, what is your first approach with them? Is it like, are you someone who is sort of like, send me the lyrics and send me the music and then I'll get inspired or is it okay? Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So, well, also 
just kind of like bluntly, since it is a very small world, I very rarely work with people that I don't actually personally know on some level. Um, I've, I've had people approach me where I don't really know them well, but we've, you know, chatted here and there. Um, but that's kind of rare and like album covers because they take so much more time. And like, I have a day job. So balancing like time to work on stuff with my day job and then like personal work gets really challenging. Um, you know, I, I ask for people to tell me what the title is um, because I think above all else, like the work kind of has to match the title in some respect. It doesn't have to be a literal representation, but you know, it can, it just kind of needs to embody something about that title. Um, And then, you know, if there is a general concept that kind of guides the lyrics that they think that I should know about, um, or like the mood of the album, I think that's like a hugely important one. Because you don't want to make, like, make, you know, sunshine and rainbows for like, something incredibly bleak but you also similarly don't want to make like the bleakest shit you've ever seen for something that's ultimately supposed to be like actually quite hopeful or optimistic so um i definitely try to make people send me lyrics though because um in general also i find it really helpful to read through the lyrics because i get a sense of like all of the other things that people were thinking of and sometimes it might like shake loose a couple of ideas imagery wise that can kind of like hide in some corners or, um, you know, stuff like that. But generally people don't really, with some exceptions, people will approach me with a specific idea and then I'll kind of counter it and come back to them with like, here's how I would want to do that. Um, but usually if it's a specific idea, um, if it's hyper specific, I'm probably not the person, but unless, unless it's sometimes it's a specific idea where it's like, Oh, okay. Actually you like clearly did pay attention to, what I've done before and like kind of the spaces I like to work in. So um, yeah, sure. Hell yeah. Do you feel like there's more like stress on yourself when it comes to someone that you do know personally versus like more of a, I mean, you mentioned oh you, don't God, do, you, yeah. don't, you don't do too many, you don't do too many like cold call stuff. It's a lot of people kind of within the yeah. same world, but like, um, do you feel an added pressure when it's not somebody that, you know, It's like different pressure because with the people that I know, well, okay. So like some of it too, with the people that I know, um, you know, I would, I don't know if it's like half, but it's close to that anyway, um, for the album covers are like literally like my partner and his band. So like, Mm -hmm. that's like a very strange dynamic. Um, partly also because like with those albums, like I see things getting written, like I see the, you know, the songs when they're being played, like first like couple of outings for it. Or I see like early drafts of lyrics get run by me, like stuff like that. So, um, you know, on you're that in level, the ecos- you're like, you're in the ecosystem. I, li- yeah, as I literally a live. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. literally like live in the ecosystem. Um, yeah. so, you know, that one's just like a very strange, and lovely, but definitely like unique dynamic for making yeah. album art. Um, but with like some of the, like if it's somebody that I don't know, it's kind of like, um, you know, I want them to like it, but I also don't know them well. So I don't necessarily know what about my work drew them to me in the first. Sometimes actually it's sometimes one thing that happens is like somebody will show me you know, a piece that I've done and be like, oh, we really loved like these things about this piece. And I'll be like, that's one of the most helpful things that you could have done. Right. Um, like, so you're feeling other this times, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I will say like other times also, um, I, I think for some musicians, there's also this like, uh, you know, you can draw so you can kind of just do anything. And like, that's not how it works. Right. Um, <laughs> Because, I mean, like, some people, sure, like, that is their vibe. Like, you know, a lot of people who are more, like, professional illustrators can, like, kind of just do the thing. Um, I can't. (laughs) Um, But not only that, like, I don't have interest in doing stuff that I'm not interested in because, which I I know sounds like it's a little recursive to say that, but, like, um, you know, if I'm not really interested in the project that I have in front of me, I'm really bad about doing it. Um, 
So like there's like an extra motivation factor where I have to like kind of pull myself through it. I'll feel like I'm doing a bad job, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So with, you know, people that I know, it's like, you know, you don't want to let people down. Um, and with people that I don't know, I also don't want to let them down, but I also don't know them. So like, I don't really know what that would mean. Totally. Um, and there's like that uncomfortable thing too. I can, you know, f- I know how it feels to have yeah. to maybe try to explain like, oh, maybe we were thinking something different, but we're all, but the person's also not doing the best job of explaining what exactly they want. So when it comes to yeah. revisions, there's that sort of like murky territory of like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I forget where I heard it originally and I'm going to butcher the quote, but I saw somebody at one point refer to like talking about art or like talking about music is like tap dancing about physics. Like it doesn't (laughs) like you're not you're trying to express something using like words that is using a language and a set of tools that are really designed to access the part of the brain that like isn't taking in words. Right. Um. So, I mean, like, also the other side of it is, you know, doing an album cover or even honestly a t-shirt is just such an incredible amount of trust because you have somebody who's created this, like, piece of art of their own and, like, you know, a lot of feelings and thought, like, I mean, you make music, you know that, like, the music that you're making is, like, it is your art, it is your, like, emotional, like, statement, you're trying to, like, say something with it and so there's like a, a pants shittingly terrifying part of that where you're like oh my god like I have to do something that you know does service to this like really you know beautiful statement of art that somebody else did so like it has right. to complement somebody else's work totally totally but I also don't really I'm not good at doing stuff that looks like not me right <laughs> so it's also like I'm going to bring myself to this I just it it needs to be complimentary. Hey there. Do you need to get some merch printed? My incredible sponsors over at Anchorfish Printing has a great deal going on right now. You can get 100 soft style shirts for only 499 bucks. Do the math. That's a great deal. For details, email michael at anchorfishprinting.com. You can also visit anchorfishprinting.com and see what else they have to offer. They are a one-stop shop for all your merch needs. And don't forget to mention the first ever podcast when you place your order. What was the first piece of merch that you remember uh, having yourself that uh, maybe the art stood out? It might be a tough question, but something where you're like, where you noticed it. Oh, like this is a band that I like, but maybe this art, this t-shirt feels oddly representative, but it's not exactly like, you know, the, for like, I think of stuff like, um, this is a weird example, but like when a, it's when it comes to metal things, like when a band that is not metal uses something metal related or something like that, where you're, where it's like, it, it has this sort of extra identity to it. That's like something that I quickly thought of, but like, yeah, so has there ever been a piece of merch that you've had that like felt extra special for one reason or another that made you appreciate the art from it? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I wasn't really like a band t-shirt person until I was, and now that's like most of my wardrobe. Um, <laughs> Sinks but, its teeth in. Oh my God, it's like a little unreasonable. Because <laughs> there's also like, there's the shirts that I've done right. that I have, and then there's like the shirts that I've purchased from people. Um, but one of like the first band shirts that I remember getting, um, for a band that I'd like properly seen live, um, was I got, I got a torch Mm t-shirt that was like a, you know, um, it was done up to look like a kaiju poster or something like that. And I like, I think I still have it somewhere, but it is like threadbare. I just wore it all of the time. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I wonder if that was something that maybe like Ryan Patterson made or something. I'm, I'd be curious. God, I have no idea. This would have been in like, um, shit. It would have been in 2008, maybe yeah. 2009. Sure. Sure. Uh, I was curious what it was like working with, uh, cause you recently did like a Seisha shirt. Yeah. How did, yeah. yeah. How did that, uh, how did that all come together? Um, 
it was it was really funny actually like they reached out to me and they were like uh i think um i like steve reached out i want to say um and he was like hey my name's steve i play in this band we're called seisha and i was like i know who you are i (laughs) i know who you are (laughs) gotta stay we gotta Um, stay humble out here you know you can't always just assume people know well I mean, also, like, I worked um, I worked for uh, St. Vitus in Brooklyn for a really long time doing oh, okay, their, like, cool. social media and marketing stuff. So, like, it was also after they had done some uh, dates at, like, some of the reunion dates at Vitus that had sold out, like, immediately. Right. Um, so I was, like, you know, neck deep in, like, people accusing us of, like, having bots or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I was like, yes, I fully know who your band is. <laughs> You're like, um, you've given me headaches. I was not, or... I was not on the emails, but yes. Um, but yeah, no, they were, they reached out, like they cold reached out. They were so lovely. Um, and that one specifically too was kind of interesting because they were doing like a series of reunion dates. So the dates were like, there was merch for specific dates. Um, and the West Coast dates that they were doing, they were doing um, to benefit Border Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a phenomenal organization, does a lot of work um, specifically with folks who are crossing the border from Mexico into the U.S., um, you know, doing things like water drops and like literally saving people's lives. Um, so I was like, oh, extra pressure because this should be cool and I want you to sell all of these. Yeah. Um, so I tend to rabbit hole a little bit because um, I love to compulsively research stuff. So I, they like mentioned that this is what they wanted the shirt for. And so I was like, all right, like we're going to go down like a botany rabbit hole on the internet. Um, so I like read through their lyrics, found some like vague images that I was interested in. And then I was like, there should be some, you know, florals involved in this. Um, but I loved the idea of putting in some like desert florals because, you know, they're things that are able to thrive and bloom in just the craziest fucking circumstances. Um, So I just looked at a lot of images of desert flowers that are native specifically to the area that like border angels operates in. Um, Cause I kind of like having that sort of like toothy thing to kind of grab onto. Yeah. I mean, it's extremely thoughtful. That makes a lot of sense. Well, and they also like, you know, they were like, yeah, uh, but no body horror, please. And I was like, (laughs) Roger, that understood. <laughs> doesn't really feel like the vibe for your band, but yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, what was your first um, art show that you ever had? Was it in New York? Was it in Boston? Uh, it would have, well, so there's like school related art shows, mm-hmm. which I sort of don't count. Because, um, you know, there'll be like thesis shows or like there were the odd high school like competition art show. Um, but I, total DIY kind of vibe. Um, there's this like open studios kind of thing that'll happen in New York where like different neighborhoods have different open studios days. Um, and I think for 2013, I, I think this was the first one, but, um, in 2013, uh, one of my coworkers, uh, randomly, was like, yeah, this house that I live in, we're going to do like a Bushwick open studios, like art show um so it'll be more of like an art show vibe it's not like open studios people can come in and come out and like the the list of people that were actually like on the show was kind of insane um but it was just like in the stairwells of someone's house so it was it was definitely one of those weird ones where like it was just a collapsing of like exactly how small new york really is Oh, sure. Were you creating pieces specifically for this event or was it you kind of showcasing stuff that you had already made? I just was putting up stuff that I'd already done because it was kind of like, you know, last minute. Um, you know, the the guy who put it together was really great and wonderful, but definitely was sort of like last minute, like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to just like put some stuff up like kind of stuff? And I was like, yeah. Huh. Have you done many of those ex- exhibitions where you do create pieces specifically for like a theme? um not many but uh you know nominally a couple there were there was this uh collective in philly for a little bit called phantom hand um Mm -hmm. 
that did a couple of themed art shows that were more like uh, one of them was called My Epic Death. Um, the other one was like more Halloweeny kind of focused. Uh-huh. Um, but I did stuff for those. Uh, that was kind of fun. But, is there? Yeah, this, I mean, is there a similar pressure with doing that? That you know, similarly to creating art for like say like a band or something like that or a brand or something because it is sort of like a theme built around something i mean the upside is that like the only times i've ever really gotten asked to be in themed shows the theme is like close enough to my work anyway that it doesn't really matter um so like the phantom hand ones were kind of one of the only like themey ones um but everything else will be sort of like loosely connected to whatever um you know spooky people i don't know Um, (laughs) they're like i don't know you're weird and creepy like (laughs) um has uh doing those art shows uh given you the like opportunity to travel to places that you hadn't been before Mm, not actually well kind of um the the thing with art shows is that like you don't there's no money in it for most people So, you know, if you're traveling, you're probably doing it on your own dime. Mm -hmm. Um, I did get involved in um, an art show in Chicago earlier this year where there was actually a travel stipend, though, which was really fucking cool because it was like, you know, I get to actually go out for this. This fucking rules. (laughs) Totally. And how'd it go? Oh, it was awesome. I, I, you know, I actually sold a bunch of stuff. It was like cool to meet a whole bunch of people and... Um, I got to meet Dan Seagrave, who, like, was just the nicest man. Um, If you're not familiar, he did, like, the Morbid Angel uh, album cover for Altars of Madness. He did, like, Sepultura as a Rise. Like, um, yeah. That's amazing. He's, he's, yeah. Legend. Yeah, he's, like, a, but he was also just, like, so fucking nice. Um, But I'd also uh, done, like, a parody version of his Altars of Madness cover, Earlier oh, for in Intro Arma, right? Saw it. Yeah. And he but he saw it like two days before I was going out for the show. And I was like, oh God, Dan, I'm so sorry. And he was like, no, it's fine. This is great. I love this. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, do you have anything? Do you have any art shows in the future? Uh like yeah, I have thing? yeah, actually technically it opens tomorrow. There's a a a gallery that's like technically an online gallery, um, but they always put together interesting stuff. So um, they have one this month and then one next month. So tomorrow being the 3rd of November. Um, and then the next one I think opens, opens, it's online, but, um, in early December, but, um, I don't know the, that kind of group show is always just a really nice excuse to like take a moment and like make something for yourself yeah. amidst all the, like the commission stuff. So totally kind of totally. try to build a few of those into my schedule every year. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, well, shit, let me, let me, I'll hit you with the last question, which was, when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? Literally anytime I see a stranger wearing a t-shirt that I've done. Oh yeah, sure. Like, or, or I guess also if I go into a record shop and see something and I'm like, I did that. Do you remember the um, first time you saw some, like a stranger walking down the street wearing one of the shirts and what that shirt was? Uh, strangers, pretty rare, usually at shows, I guess like out of context, I almost never see it, but once in a while I will. And it's probably the sun shirt that I did first. Mm. Um, I guess like, yeah, that's the one I'm like most likely to see, um, or was most likely to see now it's kind of a mixed bag, which is kind of fun. Yeah absolutely absolutely i really like the portrayal of guilt sure that you did oh thank you that one that one i definitely saw a dude wearing that like at one point who was sitting in like a backyard of the same bar that i was at and i like (laughs) clearly could not hold my shit together about it (laughs) like i have absolutely no chill when i encounter that i'm always just like oh my god someone's wearing my shirt this is the coolest shit i've ever seen I love that. I love that. Well, thanks for hanging out with me. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. 
And that is our show. Thank you so much to Caroline for coming on and thank you for listening. This episode was produced, edited, and made to sound so great by my boy Ryan Rainbow. Shout out to him as always. And uh, reminder, there's a bonus episode available right now where Caroline answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Access that by going over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. All right, I'll see you next week with that mailbag episode. Take care. Happy New Year. Bye-bye.